Hey. Welcome back to Almost Good. So, there are two things in this world that I really like. Great White Sharks and Blake Lively's face. I swear I don't mean that in a creepy way. I have no idea what kind of person Blake Lively is in real life, but she just has a really kind, approachable face. She looks like a relatable and sympathetic person on screen. I would have instantly forgotten the movie Age of Adeline, just like everybody else seemed to, if not for the presence and dogged professionalism of Blake Lively's face. And also Ellen Burstyn. Anyway, another thing that I really don't like is the movie Jaws. I'm not totally sure why Jaws has endured and become the tremendous icon that it is. The first half, or maybe the first third of it, is okay. It's basically like a slasher movie where the killer is a shark. But then it just turns into like a Sparknotes retelling of Moby Dick. And of course, this is really a matter of personal taste. Jaws just doesn't tell a story that I care about. I know that some people have argued that the shark represents the protagonist's alcoholism, but really what the story is about is masculinity and how the protagonist feels emasculated by his inability to protect his family. His whole deal is that he moved out to Amity Island to get his family away from all of the dangers of the city, whatever the audience might imagine those to be, but the danger or the threat has followed him. He can't escape the hostile forces that might put his family in danger, and it frustrates him as a man to feel helpless because that's what we expect a man to do, to protect his family. And I could just keep getting deeper into this and talking about the different kinds of masculinity represented by the different characters and how the film probably hit audiences so hard because it came out in the summer of 75, just months after the fall of Saigon, but this episode isn't about Jaws. Just suffice to say that the shark in that movie isn't super well defined in terms of what it's meant to represent. It's a cipher that stands in for any and all possible threats to the white heterosexual nuclear family. The symbolism of the shark is much more clear and specific in the film that I am going to talk about, which happens to feature a gigantic great white shark alongside Blake Lively's sympathetic face. The Shallows came out earlier this year, and I was really excited to see it because I guess I hoped that it might satisfy me in a way that Jaws doesn't. It's actually the movie that was the impetus for my wanting to put together this podcast. There was a lot that I really wanted to like about the movie, and it seemed like the filmmakers just kept getting in their own way. So, The Shallows is about death. That's what the shark represents. The story is very, very simple, in keeping with the claustrophobic setting where it's just one character, Blake Lively's protagonist, trapped a few hundred feet from shore in an isolated bay. I don't even remember what the character's name is, and I don't have to in order to remember and relay her arc. She starts as a despondent medical student who is contemplating dropping out of medical school because she's struggling to understand and accept her mother's death. Her mother died of cancer, and from some of the initial dialogue, we get a picture of the protagonist's internal state. She doesn't understand why her mother fought so hard to survive in the face of absolutely certain death. If you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're going to die, why struggle at all? Of course, the fact is that every single one of us, regardless of whether we've been diagnosed with a terminal illness, is definitely going to die. Death is always a certainty. And yet we keep going, and we fight for every last second. Because you're not dead until you're dead. And every moment that you're alive is worthwhile. You never know what might happen next, and you want to stick around as long as possible just for the chance to find out. That's what the protagonist learns in her struggle against death as embodied by the shark. She learns why her mother fought so hard, and she is finally able to forgive her mother and herself. 
There's also subtext about her feelings of helplessness and wanting to be able to heal the people around her, to feel like she has some kind of power in the face of inexorable realities like death. So that's the story. It's great. It's already better than Jaws in my book. For the sake of clarity, I'm going to relate all of my problems with the film and how I would have fixed them in an actual list of six items. 1. The Tone It's as if the filmmakers were never able to decide whether they wanted to make a sparse, gritty thriller or a piece of goofy but satisfying schlock. I do think it's possible to be both, but the movie doesn't pull that off. The tone just feels confused in a way that undermines the more harrowing scenes and that makes the really schlocky parts look silly and out of place. I think if the other items in this list were properly addressed or executed, it would have gone a long way toward fixing the tone. If they had stepped back and allowed logic and the needs of the story to drive the film, then it could have struck a consistent balance between tension and fun. 2. The Bite The shark bite on the protagonist's leg is just way too small to have been inflicted by the huge Great White. Now, I understand why it needed to be relatively small and superficial. She would not have been able to survive the movie if she had her whole leg torn off right in the beginning. But just a single little gimmick, one little sequence, could have saved the believability of the shark bite. The protagonist should have been bitten by a smaller shark. One of the surfers even remarks that the only sharks in the bay are supposed to be these little reef sharks. So have her get bitten by a reef shark and get stranded on the rock, and then introduce the big shark as it eats the little one. It solves the problem of the size of the bite, and it heightens the tension. If the smaller shark bite is that nasty, imagine being bitten by the big shark. 3. The Drunken Vagrant on the Beach The scene of the drunk guy who tries to steal the protagonist's phone and gets bitten in half was unnecessary to the story, and it felt a little bit, I don't know, a little bit racist. If they needed to add to the gore, they could have done more with the two surfers who actually were connected to the plot. 4. The Bird So, the subplot with the injured seagull is one of the goofier things about the movie. And I don't have a problem with that as such. It helps show us how the protagonist thinks of herself as a healer, and how she has that intense desire to control her environment through her capacity for healing others. I'm going to explain more about the bird in just a second, but this brings me to a frustrating thing about this film overall. It has a few distinct, obvious setups that never pay off. For example, the protagonist keeps asking about the name of the bay, and people just smile knowingly at her without answering. So the audience is left to wonder, what is the name of the bay? We expect some kind of payoff, like maybe the bay has a name that's ironic or on the nose. But instead, that little plotline just gets totally dropped. It doesn't really matter because it doesn't influence the story, but it was a weird thing for the filmmakers to include if they weren't going to see it through. So back to the bird. The bird lives, of course, and that subverted my expectations in a way that just felt pat and unsatisfying. The bird should have died. At the part when the protagonist put the bird on the surfboard and set it afloat, I totally thought the bird was toast. That was a prime setup for a shot of the bird getting snapped right up by the shark, and it would have been a little bit funny, in a dark, knee-jerk kind of way, and it also would have made sense to the story and to the lessons that the protagonist needs to learn. She fixed the bird's wing, but it gets eaten anyway, and that's just life. It happens. Sometimes things work out, and sometimes they don't. The protagonist needed to see the bird die despite her best effort because she needs to be stripped of the illusion of control and the guilt that comes with it. You don't try to fix things because it makes you feel like you have control. That mentality is paralyzing. It just makes you feel responsible for every little misfortune or major tragedy. 
In the face of an uncertain environment and the looming certainty of death, you just try to do your best. You fix things because it might buy a little bit more time or it might improve the quality of the time that you have. So speaking of death and healing and payoff, number five, the shark. We know that the shark is death, and that's exactly why the shark shouldn't have died in the end. You can't beat death. You can maybe put it off for a little while, but that's it. The shark's death was profoundly unsatisfying, not just from a narrative perspective, but also in the way that they killed it. It just ran into some spikes, and that was it. The protagonist didn't even get to blow it up or set it on fire or anything. Now, according to my opinion, which is correct, the bird should have been comically devoured in the way that we were set up to expect. In a much more egregious misstep, the film also sets up a totally different climax that would have been much more satisfying in terms of story and character. The audience and the protagonist see that the shark has a hook stuck in its mouth. The protagonist even remarks on it. As she was looking at the GoPro footage and muttering, someone got you, my friend leaned over and whispered to me, is she going to heal the shark? And I was like, I hope so. But of course I was disappointed. I have no idea why the film just drops it, but the hook should have paid off. So you have the whale carcass, right? Ostensibly, the carcass explains the presence of the shark in the first place, but the shark doesn't need an explanation. Sharks live in the ocean. We can believe that it's just there. And if the shark is feeding on the carcass, why does it even bother with the surfers? After the protagonist notices the hook, there should have been a shot of the shark trying and failing to bite into the whale carcass. The whale just pushes against the hook and causes it to jab further into the shark's mouth. It's just too painful for the shark to eat normally, basically. So it's resorted to eating other things, like the hypothetical little shark that I suggested, like the bird, like the surfer, that it can basically swallow whole. And then you have a great setup for a climax that puts the protagonist right into the shark's mouth. Just as it seems like she's about to get eaten alive, she reaches out and pulls out the hook, and the shark just misses her. She snatches her life back from the jaws of death. Maybe she tumbles dramatically along the shark's body so that we can see just how big it is before it swims off back into the deep. The protagonist couldn't heal her mom, so she went to medical school. But even with all of her knowledge, she couldn't even heal a little bird. It was just out of her hands. She can't control everything that happens. But with death bearing down on her, staring her right in the face, she finds herself compelled to keep trying And with the last desperate effort, she saves herself, and she puts off death for at least another day. Things don't always work out, but they might. Sometimes they do. And I've been driving home the fact that the shark represents death, but you can read it as different things, too. The shark could also be the protagonist's guilt. If she heals the shark, it represents the fact that she's finally able to forgive herself. She's come to understand that she can't control everything that happens, and she knows the answer to the question that she asked at the beginning of the film. She understands why her mother fought so hard for every last second, even though she knew that she was dying. Number six, the ending. The movie should end when the protagonist pulls herself up onto shore and she's lying there looking up at the sky. It should just cut to black right there. If they absolutely had to tack on a little epilogue, they should have cut out the dad's goofy line about how her mom would have been proud. She knows that. The audience knows that. The entire story has been about her processing her mom's death. We got it. Also, again, if they had to do the epilogue, there should have been a reveal that the protagonist ultimately did lose her leg. It would have given the epilogue a reason to exist. 
If the movie ended on a quiet shot of the protagonist looking out at the ocean with her prosthetic leg in view, it would have added a little bit of a mythic flair, like an echo of the hero's journey, like in True Grit when Maddie loses her arm. The heroine has traveled into the underworld, and she came back with some kind of sacred wisdom, but it came with a price. She had to give up part of herself in exchange for learning something crucial about the nature of life. In the shallows, the heroine learns that death is certain. But she also learns that the very essence of life is persistence in the face of that certainty. Once again, this has been Almost Good. Thanks for listening.